what's up? My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like Him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to His truth and His hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Six. If you're new here, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Really great to have you. Before we get into any message, actually, we wanted to do something that, well, it's super special for me, but I believe it's special for the whole community. It's Mother's Day again. Happy Mother's Day to some of the moms in the house. We see you. There's a few of you for sure. Yeah. You kissed your mother with that clap? That's garbage. Come on. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the house. Good thing your mothers aren't here. My goodness, I hope you texted or brunched for them. But part of something we we often do on Mother's Day, but we do as a church often, is child dedication. Now, this is our young adult service, and so I know we're just even thinking about our own lives, let alone relationships, let alone marriage, let alone babies. But me and Trina just had a little guy recently. And I think it's really important that this community, our community, as, as many of you call me your pastor, I want you to know we have a pastor over our church, pastors over our church, and it's Pastor Andy and Pastor Lisa. These two, I love these two with all of my heart. They're so good and wonderful to me and Trina. And like even their kids, their kids right now are watching our little kids. Like, and it's such a beautiful, I don't know, it's just so beautiful. I can't even begin to tell you how blessed we are to have them. And so we wanted to actually do a child dedication tonight for LJ. And so Pastor Andy and Lisa are here to dedicate LJ. So I'm inviting Trina, LJ to come up, Pastor Andy and Lisa. And we just wanted to share this moment with you so that you can kind of see the greater picture of the church. Because we're not just the six. And if we are just the six off in the corner, we're going to miss out on a lot of the beauty. So I want you to always know we're a part of the greater church uh, that is led by our, our lead pastors, Andy and Lisa Moore. And so come on, give them a round of applause and, and uh, let's share this moment together. Awesome. Well, this is such a privilege and it's not something we always get to do at this service. And so it was really important that we got to to do this tonight because we are part of one family. And, you know, we have we have three different communities in two different locations and five services a day, six services a day. So you don't get to see all the things that happen at all the other services. They don't always get to see you. And so this is really important because we are family. And so on a day like Mother's Day, we celebrate families, we celebrate the generations. You know, we had our youth team leading worship this morning because we just love the generations. Robbie is going to have no voice next week, so don't call him. But, you know, we just, we celebrate families. We celebrate legacy. And this is a church all about legacy, almost 100 years old. And so there's so much legacy here. This is a church that's always believed in raising up the next generation, and we still do. That's our heart. That's our passion. And so we have little LJ, Levi, John, Preston, Bonnet, baby number three for the Bonnets. And we love them. We love their family. We're just so grateful to be able to dedicate him to the Lord with all of you. We're all doing this together tonight. Can I share your mic? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Guys, I want to take you to a place in uh, Psalm 78. And the reason why is because I think it speaks to all the values we've just been talking about. In Psalm 78, there's this like beautiful encouragement to pass on legacy, to pass on something to those that are coming behind you. It says it this way. Listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. For I'll speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. You heard Lisa talk and 
and uh, also Pastor Lucas about the years of history here. And there is a story. There's a story of faith. There's a story of belief. There's a story of um, persevering in challenge and difficulty. And you're helping write the next chapter of that story as you persevere through the pandemic and into whatever God's doing next. He says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. He commanded our ancestors, and so we're commanded as well, to teach these truths to our children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children, so each generation should set its hope anew on God. And, you know, I, I, I know, I remember, and it may be hard for you to imagine, but I remember being a young adult. And I remember thinking, basically, I mean, this, I'm not saying this is you, but this was me, that, like, man, I'm sort of the bottom of the, you know, the influencers. And I'm, I have, you know, a really great group of friends, and I have a, uh, I have a future but I don't know if we really feel, like in your young adult years, like I'm supposed to be building a legacy now. But I want you to know that your faith and the, the place that you're holding in the story of faith in Jesus Christ is important. And it's actually important for LJ. Because he's the one who's coming up behind you. And he's the one who we're blessing tonight. Because we believe that just like you were once young and now you're older, Someday it'll be your children here. Someday it'll be your moment. And we want to bless your children because God has a plan for the generations. And really, what this is telling us is that, you know, each of us can pass on what we've learned. But also, the Bible says that each one should set their hope anew on the Lord. Each generation. In other words, there's a special revelation for this little guy. There's a special understanding from God himself for this little guy. And, and we want to believe for that. We want to actually bless him to receive that. We want to pray for him that um, God would just, you know, do that and be faithful to pass on faith in the next generation. We'll do our part. Let's pray that God would do his part. Will you stand up with us? <coughs> We're going to pray together. So why don't you just join us in a way that's kind of custom to us, but it's just like a, sh a show of support. And for some of you, it might feel a little strange, but why don't you just stretch your hands out toward LJ? You can't come and put your hands on him because that would freak him out, but we're going to reach toward him. And, and what we're doing is we're blessing him. He is right now, he's the person on our mind. And so let's thank God for LJ and for the bonnets and for what God is doing in their lives. So Lord, we just thank you for the precious gift that you have given to this family, baby number three. And we thank you for him, Lord. And we just pray in Jesus' name that you would bless him in every way. That he would be a child that from a very early age longs for and is drawn to the things of God. That his little heart, Lord, would, would, would be open to you. And Spirit of God, we pray that you would reside with him, covering him blessing him in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that as he grows, that he would grow just like you did, Jesus, that he would grow in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Lord, we don't know what you have in store for him, but you know. 
and you have an exact plan, a plan to reveal yourself, a plan to use his little life, a plan, Lord God, for him to make a difference in his world. And so we bless him in Jesus' name for that purpose. We ask that you'd protect him in his physical body as he grows. May he grow perfectly, Lord. Lord, may, may your angels surround him and bless him. Lord, may he be blessed in his coming and going, his rising and sleeping. Lord, we call him blessed in Jesus' name, and we thank you for this little man. We thank you, Lord, for faith in his heart and for love in his home. We pray for mom and dad, for strength and for patience and for just the presence of mind to put in, to instill the faith that they have, and to believe that you have a revelation unique for him, for his life, and for his generation. And so we bless him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is where you clap. Yeah, yeah. We love you guys. So good. Don't get your baby dedicated before you preach. Gosh. I, uh, I hope you hear what Andy's saying there, that you're leading the way for the little LJs. That really hit me. It made me want to preach so hard. <laughs> but more than just thinking about who's, who's coming up, I think maybe behind you, I would encourage you to find people who are in front of you and get them in your life, like Andy's and Lisa's. I can't tell you how much I love them both and how as pa my pastors, they just they make me better. And you need people in front of you. And so do it. Find them because they will... They're what we need, don't we? We really need, need them. One more time, can we just show some love for our pastors? I just can't even show you. I just wanna honor them all night long. So we are kind of in, a, I would call it part two of our series, Questions Jesus Asked, but it's kind of like an inception series, okay? It's like a series within a series, okay? It's like a dream within a dream, if you will. And so rather than questions Jesus asked us or asked people and that we've kind of taken and unpacked, we're now taking the next four weeks or so to unpack, I think, large questions that we ourselves ask Jesus. So we find them in the scriptures, but we know they're questions that you, that me, that all of us continue to ask God. Questions that just continue to come up, that continue to be things we're constantly asking. I'm sure we've all asked God some big questions, haven't we? I'm sure we've all prayed bold and big prayers, haven't we? And it's funny, like I, it's funny praying with our kids every night the things they'll ask for, like big things. Like Georgia's constantly praying we would go to Hawaii. Like it's a, it's a very common prayer in our house. I'm like, sweet daughter, that ain't happening for a little bit, okay? <laughs> but she's like, oh, she, you know, whatever it may be, like we're asking for big things. And I, I think I've realized as I pray with my daughter, as I pray with my son, as we pray with them as a family, like my prayers aren't so different. Like I'm asking for big things too. I'm not more spirit. I've been praying for great weather, like constantly. Anyone else? Like there's things we ask for and we pray for and there's these large questions. And so we wanted to tackle four, I think, what are large questions the next kind of four weeks. And this week, a common question we ask Jesus, a, a question we're probably thinking about often. And the question is, God, do you even care? God, do you care? Are you, are you seeing this right now? More specific to like our situation, our moment, what's happening, the things we're going through. And so I think there's this, there's this profound moment in Mark 4, we'll get to it in a moment, where the disciples, you, you, if you grew up in church, you know this story, but we're gonna unpack it a bit differently, where, where Jesus is kind of having, the, or excuse me, yeah, Jesus is having a little nap, there's a storm, and, and, the, and the disciples are like really worried. Actually, we'll just read it now. Let's just go ahead. This is in Mark 4, uh, starting in verse 35. There's a blue Bible in front of you. You can read it there. It's page 814, page 814, or you can follow along on the screen. It says this, 
That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Okay, he just finished teaching and he was, he was tired, so they, they take a boat over. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and, and the waves broke over the boat so that, I was ne- so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, rabbi, friend, don't you care if we drown? This is, this is, again, a situation I'm sure many of you have been accustomed to. Maybe not this specific, you're not in a boat, but you've been in a moment or a situation where you're like, God, don't you see what's happening? Like, everything is falling apart. Like, one by one, bricks are crashing. Would you, are you even, hello? Like, you've had those moments, right? Do you see me? Do you even care? Do you hear? I'm literally calling out for you, t- towards you. I'm, I'm screaming, if you will. This is, an, in my opinion, an age-old question that I think, no matter what you're going through, still seems very fresh. It seems very real because your circumstance is your reality, which is extremely difficult. But I think we need to first take this question at face value and answer it, and then kind of move into what I think is the deeper question, or the question behind the question, as I like to say. You guys know I like to say that. This, this question at face value, let's just look at it here. Does God care about us? Does he see us? Does he hear us? Let's break it down in, in kind of three parts. First, we have like creation. I need you to know this. God created you. He wanted relation. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. So he creates man. He creates woman. He created us not just like just because. Like he created us in his image. Friends, your image bears. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. The Greek word for that is poem, his poetry. How beautiful is that? He sees you. He's gifted you specifically with unique gifts. Maybe it's to sing. Maybe it's to, I don't know, preach or teach. Maybe it's to love. Maybe it's to be compassionate, kind, whatever he is. He has absolutely wired you in a specific way to live out your calling. He loves you. He's for you. Of course he cares for you. He's created you. You see what I'm saying? And then we mess that up royally, okay? We sin, we rebel, we literally turn from the calling and the identity that he's placed on us to only seek after our own things. And what does God do in that moment? He brings salvation. He goes to the cross for you. Friends, if he didn't care for you, why did Jesus go to the cross? Why would he take on such punishment, so much hurt, so much anger and angst. Why would he go to the cross if he didn't care for you? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. So we see his love and his design in creation. We see his love and his design in salvation. And finally, of course, in our destination, like creation, salvation, heaven, friends. He's created a place for you and for me. We are citizens of heaven, the Bible says. Like, of course he cares for us. Of course he cares for you and for me. Of course he sees and hears you and me. He loves you. He created you. He loves you. He died for you. He loves you. He's made a place for you, a home for you, with many rooms, the Bible says. Are you seeing me? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Why would anyone create you, design you, desire to have relationship with you, then being rejected by you, takes your pain and place for you, only to create a heavenly place in eternity for you? Why does he do all that if he doesn't care for you? Of course he cares for you. And I think we do know that. If you follow Jesus at all, if you've been coming to the six, like, I do think you have a slight understanding that yes, check mark, I get it. Yes, okay, fine. So the question isn't, doesn't God care for you, six? The The real question, I think, is why doesn't he respond to us? 
when we call out for him? I think that's the deeper question. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, that's like where the hurdle, that's the tension point, that's the, the kind of where, yeah, it's difficult. And I think we think or have this imaginary idea that Jesus is Superman and that he just like answers our beck and call when we're in trouble, you know? I think we just have watched too many superhero movies, Marvel, Disney, they screwed us all, okay? We're just like instantly going to, like we're in trouble and <laughs> Iron Man's there, <laughs> like Thor. It's like something's just going to happen. Like we just, that's what we think. It was just like, Lord, where are you? And he's like, bring me that. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just, we recently saw that. Thor got me so excited. Like we're just, that's kind of where we, that's kind of this weird image we have. And I think we have always assumed that God is just like ready to pick up whatever happened in that moment. And it's, it's more nuanced than that. Life is more chaotic and complicated than that. So why doesn't he respond to us when we call out? Why not? Three quick thoughts, honestly, three quick thoughts. So Jesus gets done teaching. We're just gonna use this scripture to, to kind of find and kind of go through these questions, this, this big question. He gets tired, he needs rest, so he tells the disciples, let's go over to the other side. Here's what I find interesting about this text. Okay, there are big squalls on this, on this part of sea. Like, it's not, a, it's not a huge plot of water. It's like, they got boats, like they're fishermen, first of all. Most of the disciples, they're fishermen. That's point number one. There's squalls and storms, very common in this area of Galilee. Like not, this would have been very normal. And then Jesus also said, let us go over to the other side. Jesus made a, he's like, I have a plan. We're headed this way. Like this guy has been doing miracles, preaching the gospel. Again, Jesus in front of you. And then a storm comes up and men who are familiar and often on the water instantly freak out. And I find this so interesting. They instantly assume that their trial or storm is because of what? Why do we often assume that we're in a trial? Because we've sinned, because we've disobeyed, something like that. We instantly feel ashamed. But let me tell you this. Why doesn't he respond to us often when we call out or sometimes when we call out, maybe not often? Because you're right where you're supposed to be. We all know that feeling. Life is good and things go from falling into place to just falling. <laughs> Anyone else feel that? Like everything is great, like soundtrack in the bag. You feel like you're in a musical where people are just instantly all in unison and dance and they just know what's happening, you know what I'm saying? Does anybody kind of wish that would happen once in a while? You just walk into a coffee shop, it's like, hey, and there's like a, a whole, I like musicals, leave me alone. Like I, we feel like it's all good and fine and then, but things just start to slowly crumble and we're like, just on Monday, everything was good. It's only Wednesday afternoon like, and everything's crumbling. And our assumption in that moment is that either God doesn't care, which we know isn't true, right? We just, we just talked about that or he's punishing me for some sort of disobedience. And the reality is that nobody likes to talk about is that trials are, can be a result of both disobedience and obedience. We instantly assume that because we're going through something difficult, it has to do with our disobedience and nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus just said, I wanna go from here to there. He made them a promise. He was saying, let's go from here to there. I have more on my plate. I have a ministry ahead of me. They forget his promises. And they instantly assume because there's a little bit of wind, there's a little bit of storm. Like again, verse 35, let us go over to the other side, Jesus says. Young adults, or whoever's in this room tonight, when Jesus makes a promise, he completes it. When he's called you to do it, 
he, it will come to fruition. If he's put you somewhere, he's put you somewhere for a reason. If he's calling you to go, go. If he's calling you to stay, stay. Wherever he has brought you, he's bringing you for a reason. It doesn't mean it will not come with some hardship. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart for I have overcome. I don't know where we got this idea that like there would not be hardship with following Jesus. Maybe it's the prosperity gospel, honestly. I don't know. This idea that like everything is perfect and you will be affluent and popular. If you like, I just, it's not, it's not what happens. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it, First Thessalonians. And I just want you to know that I really felt this as I, was, as I was praying this week for you. That God was telling me that millennials and Gen Z's in here, I just feel like God is calling us. It's our turn. Our time has come, if you will, to step into leadership. Whether that's a pulpit or not, I'm just saying like throughout all workforce, wherever area of influence that you are in, he is calling us to lead. It is our turn to pick up that mantle. And I felt the Lord literally impress on my heart to say, if, like, we'll never be ready if we're not willing to be refined. And I just feel like there's a refining stage that we need to go through as young adults, where, like, where pressure may come but out of that pressure is where the fruit and the harvest and the diamond or whatever metaphor you wanna come up with, where the refinement, where refinement is, that's where the ready hearts and ready leaders will be. I think it's really important that we realize that, that we actually can't pick up our mantle of leadership if we aren't willing to be refined in our leadership. And I can tell you, I don't like it when Andy pulls me in his office and tells me something that wasn't great but a week later, I sure do appreciate it. I don't love when Pastor Lisa has to tell me, hey, do you think about that when you did that? And I have to say, no, I didn't. It doesn't feel great in the moment, but I'm telling you, we have to walk through these things. God is not, you might not be in a season or in a place of disobedience. You might be right where you're supposed to be. And there might be a storm there. Thought number two of why maybe God doesn't call out or, or listen or why you feel like he doesn't care about you, specifically in a time of a storm or hardship or whatever you wanna call it. One, again, just remembering like, you're right where you're supposed to be and two, your attitude, I need you to hear this, your attitude does not change God's authority. And I think there are some moments when we're in a storm or a battle where we feel like it's on us to get positive and optimistic real quick. And that's what's gonna change our situation or our storm. Oh, I just gotta, just gotta get positive. Positive thinking. I just got it's all good. There's a way to look at this and to see it in a, in a nice eye. <laughs> Sometimes things just suck. Can I get an amen, right? That's like number one marriage advice. Just like, just know that there's gonna be moments that times suck. Okay, husbands, and like, you're just, you just need to say this sucks. You don't need to fix anything. Quickly, I'd just be curious to know how many of you would call yourselves, I know no one likes it when I do polls, but I do them anyways. How many of you would call yourselves an optimist? Absolutely. Hands straight in the air. It's funny how fast they put their hands up right there. You better believe it. Uh, people who are less optimistic, I'm gonna call you pessimistic, but you know, I don't wanna put any term on it. Pessimistics in the house, are you here? Come on, go ahead. I love, <laughs> so many people are like, I don't know. Yeah. What'd you say? I don't even hear you, what? Come on, we're like 50-50, what were we? It's really interesting when you think about yourself in that way. It's so funny, like what, like what do you do when it's pouring rain out? 
oh, it's fine. It's fine. The sun's going to come out, right? It's beautiful. Victoria's beautiful. No matter. There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Anyone ever say that to themselves? Okay, great. Like, I'm just going to put my Arcteryx on. I'm going to enjoy the day. It's pouring rain. It's May. It's not nice. Like, it can suck. Ah, gosh. Sorry. I'm so excited. I'm so mad. Life is unpredictable. Guys, life is unpredictable. And I just, I love you too much to tell you that positive thinking is going to get you out of your storm. And that your attitude is what's going to get you out of your storm. And I think that would be counterproductive. And it would actually minimize what God does here, what Jesus does in this story specifically. Again, let's just, let's just read, let's jump to the next section here. It's really, it's really good. It says this, starting, I think it was in verse 34, 36. There it is. 39, excuse me. So the disciples, again, they shake him awake and it says, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves. Just for a second. Imagine someone speaking to waves. Imagine there's waves and Jesus comes out to have a word, you know? Like the other day, this girl kept budging Georgia at the playground. I was like, I'm gonna have a word with you, Missy. Caitlin, I don't remember her name, it doesn't matter. But imagine Jesus just stepping out and being like, quiet. Like, I just, I don't know, I just was picturing that this week, thinking like, what? I'm just gonna go speak to nature. I'm just gonna have a little, I'm just gonna have a talk with the ocean. This guy think like Moana or something is speaking, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like this nice, ah, like beautiful, I know in the world finally, something like that, right? It's not like that. That's not what's happening. It's not this beautiful, wonderful, calm moment. He steps up, he comes out, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. How you see your situation does not necessarily determine, okay, whether God is sovereign or not. He is sovereign. He is authority. And I actually was wondering this week, for many of you, how God's authority might actually be the revelation you need, not his comfort. Consider that for a moment. That for a long time we're searching for peace and comfort and calmness and soothing and relaxation and all these things, serenity, like whatever we want, this feeling of anxiousness or whatever it is to like subside. But really what we need to know is not that just God cares for you or that the Holy Spirit can bring comfort to you, but his authority speaks over whatever storm you are in. That you don't serve a God who just comes and calms you for a moment, that he is sovereign throughout the whole storm, that he sees every situation. He's so sovereign that he knows our, our storms and he knows Pastor Lisa's storms and he knows every single person's storm in here. His authoritative nature is, what the, is the revelation I think we actually need. That when you walk out of here, you don't serve some God who shows up once in a while. You serve a God who has authority over all, in all, that he can literally part the seas, calm the waves, and quiet the wind. I need you to hear this tonight, because this was like really mind-blowing for me even this week. We're so worried that he cares for you that we forgot that the wind bows to him, that the rocks cry out to him, that all of creation is under his authority. And I think that's the strength that somebody needed to hear tonight. Like they needed that revelation. And so the question, again, it shifts. It's not that, does he care? It's that, is he in control? There's this really good children's author who writes a lot of these really cool books for kids, like books that kind of have gospel around them. And she writes, it should, it should be predictable that God will take care of us. 
What's unpredictable is how he'll do it. It's predictable that he will take care of us. It's unpredictable how it'll actually happen. And that right there in lies where the mystery is. And again, the disciples, they were so worried, right? So concerned that they literally had to shake him awake. Notice that. Again, did, did the storms wake Jesus? Did the wind wake Jesus? Like, no, not, not, nothing in nature woke him. He was asleep on a cushion. I love that. I love that they put that in there, that Peter wanted to make sure, when he told Mark, hey, when you're writing this story, I want you to tell about the cushion, okay? It was a fuchsia. It was beaded. Like, I wish there was more description in it. Like, he had, he had cuddled up, friends. Jesus was like, mm. He was like all of you on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Mm, I'm going for a little nappy nap. <laughs> all of you nap. I know you nap. It's a whole other sermon. We'll talk about it later. Like, he's napping on a boat in a storm, and he's not worried. He's not concerned. I want us to be so, um, I want us to have a firm foundation in the authoritative nature and the sovereignty of our God. And remind you that it's not just positive thinking. Like, yeah, maybe there's some links to positive thinking and stress management, but I don't know. Like, how do you tell someone who has cancer to be positive? Come to Tuesday prayer. And if you want, like, by the way, we always linger a little bit. If you want someone at one time, I was praying for two different people last week. And I'm telling you, their situations so dire, so, so heavy, there's, I had no words. Hey, you know what would help you? It's going to be okay. Just be positive. That's what you need. Go on your way. Bless you. No, you guys. Like, I know I'm speaking to people who are going through a lot, who, who face real challenges. And so I would never say that to you. And I think what we need to remind ourselves of it's not that just to be positive and not just to think better about ourselves. It's that God is in control. That your attitude does not, like, his authority should trump anyone's attitude in here because what he sees and what he knows and what he can do is far greater than any positive thinking or, I don't know, Deepak Chopra book can give you. I'm sorry, it's the truth. And it's what's gonna actually help you in your storms now and your storms to come. And I just wonder if a posture of praise and gratitude toward God in all things would be the reminder that he has authority over all things. What I really mean by this is this, and I want to challenge you in this because I felt completely convicted of this this week, okay? If we don't praise him when it's calm, why do we curse him in the storm? I felt really bad about this. Like, when the sun finally comes out, we keep using the weather because it's brutal out there. It's actually beautiful right now. Come on, Lucas. Like, it, like I don't, you're praying for something. Actually, I'll give you an example. Last week, two gentlemen came up after the six and they wanted to share with me how they met, like, I don't know, November or something. And they just were like, hey, we, we came alone. We just wanted to share this with you. We came alone. We saw each other. They made eyes. You know that move? They made eyes across the thing. He's alone, he's alone. And the one walked a little bit closer. And then the next week, they worked up the courage to actually say hi. It's so cute, the bromance was happening. And they finally just connected. And when they came to tell me this, they didn't come to tell me that they made a friend at the six. They came to tell me that, I want you to know, Pastor Lucas, at the six, I found a brother in Christ. I found someone who wants to do life beside me. I found someone who I consider almost a best friend. And I, I just wanted to tell you and thank God that I found someone. And what, what really, t- like I was taken aback, not by them sharing their story, 
we've heard connections like this taking place. What, what I was taking back is that they took the time to give God praise when they found a friend when they were in a lonely place. And I just wonder when the thing that we've been praying for comes to fruition, I really hope we don't go, man, I deserve that. I worked hard for that. Good job, Lucas. You earned that one. But then when the storm comes, God, where are you? Him, him at like, I've been praying. Guys, I want to praise him in the calm and I want to call out to him in the storm. I want to give him all the honor and glory he deserves in every moment of my day. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the new mercies every morning and the blessings I've already received. And I will praise you no matter what. Are you following what I'm trying to say? I don't want, like, I don't want to even be a part of a, I don't want us to be a community that only call, curses him in the storm. I want us to praise him and be reminded that his, he has authority over all. He deserves a posture of praise and gratitude towards in all. And I want him to hear my cry again in the storm or when it's calm. Finally, final thought for you guys as we wrap up. And I'm just gonna read the final, uh, let's read the final four verses one more time. He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, and I didn't read this part yet and this is important. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So here's what's really interesting. Again, notice the spot. Jesus literally says to them, why are you so afraid? You knew I was here. You knew I'd protect you. Do you still have no faith? And then what did they actually respond with? Did you just see what he did to the waves? Did you just see what he did to the wind? They're so taken back by his authoritative power, they like completely miss what's happening. Again, and we see this through this whole series, and I think this is probably the theme we didn't even know was the theme, is that throughout healings, throughout Jesus like calming the storm, throughout all these pieces, he's more, again, so concerned with what's going on in here, not necessarily what's happening around you. I'm gonna say this point because it's my final point, but it sounds like I stole it from Dr. Seuss, so don't judge me, okay? It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> but it's true, like the battle within is, is more important than the storm you're in. Like he really does care what's happening in your heart. He's saying, do you have, you have so little faith? Why are you so afraid? Did you see what he just did? And they're just looking at what just happened and they're blown away by his majesty and his power. And Jesus is trying to come close and speak to their soul, their soul and say, listen, you don't trust me. You didn't trust me here. I told you we're gonna go from here to there. One storm came up and as fishermen, people who ride boats, you forgot. Do you still, he didn't say, do you have such little faith? He said, do you still have no faith? Do you not recognize what I'm trying to do for you? He's asking these disciples, and this is what this is really about, and you can't get away from it. Yes, it's about his authority, and yes, it's about all these beautiful things, and it can, we can talk about this, but it's literally about trust. And he said it this morning too. We even talk about this message. Like, this whole thing is, will you trust me? Will you, will you receive me and know me and trust me? That in every season and every storm, whether it's calm and beautiful out, whether it's heavy and there's burdens, will you trust me with it? In your marriage, in your relationship, will you trust me with it? 
with your, with, your, with your goals ahead in your career and what's going on? Will you trust me with your kids? Will you trust me, will you trust me with everything? He's like, he's looking at them and they just, they just won't. I know it's hard. I get it. We have, we have, like, there's a self-awareness that almost has to come from us when talking about trust. I just don't know if we nailed as, this, as a generation. Self-awareness is really important. I'm, I'm gonna close here. And this, I, I really don't know if we're great at it, but I could be wrong. And I was, I have this one thought I just wanted to leave with you. I was recently out with a friend who I didn't realize had been in AA for about six years. And we just reconnected. We knew each other about 10 years ago. We were reconnecting. And I was just asking about AA because I actually, I'm just not that familiar with it. But I was really, I was just really taken back by the, the beauty in all of it and, and his growth as a person, as a human and where he'd come and where he was going. And this guy, oh my goodness, had, had serious addictions in many areas. And he said, you know what's really been helpful? And I know it sounds silly and it's one of the, uh, uh, something they learned early on. And you guys have heard this, but I don't know if we know this, is the serenity prayer. And he walked me through it and then I looked it up and I was looking for the, like, the original version. And the original version was done by a Reformed theologian and a kind of a political like, commentator of the time. This is an old, old, old. And he says it so, so wonderfully. Maybe some of you have heard it. Maybe you haven't. And I wanna just I wanna say it over you. Because again, the battle within that Jesus asked him was more important than the storm you're in. And I think it would be important for us to kind of become more self-aware of what God's really after. And that's trusting him. The storm's gonna pass. The fight will die down. The battle will come to an end. The question we look at at the very end of it is, do we trust him? Does he care for you? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. But do I trust him in every season? Friends, that's the question we have to answer. You have to answer, I have to answer. The serenity prayer goes like this. It goes, Father, Give us courage to change what must be altered. Serenity to accept what cannot be helped. And the insight to know, I love this, and the insight to know one from the other. This is the original prayer. It's actually now the other way around. They flipped it, and it's, but this is the King James Version, if you will. It's, Father, give us courage to change what must be altered. Serenity to accept what cannot be, be helped. And the insight to know one from the other. I think that's where we find ourselves, the insight to know one from the other, because at the end of the day, God is calling us to faith. God is calling us to trust him. God is asking us, he's saying, there's no way around it, friends. There's a lack of faith here, and maybe there's a lack of faith here tonight. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. Do not be afraid. I'm in control. I see you, I know you. There is fears in life, but I'm asking you to come to me, to trust me, to have faith in me. Because faith is not about outcomes. It's about trusting God regardless of one. That's it. It's not about getting your answer. It's not about getting the girlfriend. It's not about getting the job. I just gotta have faith. I just gotta believe. He's gonna send me the right person. He's gonna do this. No, no, no. It's not about outcomes. It's all about trust. Would you stand to your feet with me tonight? And the team, you don't have to come. I think I just want, this is gonna, we're gonna end weird because I want to. It's not weird. It's only weird if you make it weird. Okay, actually, can you come and play the final part of Waymaker? Yeah, that, I forgot how good that was going. I'm like, this is so good. Come on up. I just, 
I just want to pray this serenity prayer over you. And then I want to pray over you again. Is that okay? You just take a moment, close your eyes, and just posture yourself towards God, however that looks for you. Maybe you're new to church, maybe you're unfamiliar with this, and this feels uncommon or foreign, that's okay. But I'm asking you, just take a moment. The music's not playing yet, don't play yet, guys. I just, just take a moment. And you can, you can think on the storm of life that's, that season you're in. You can posture yourself to be aware. You're aware of what's going on. Let me remind you, so is the Heavenly Father. He sees you and he knows you. He loves you and he cares for you. He sees every battle and storm you're in and he's walking with you. He has authority over all. He's in control of your life. He's calling you to lead. You may not be in a season that's, that you're not supposed to. You may be right where he has you and he's got you, he's holding you. You can trust him. So God, tonight, we together say this prayer. We don't have it all figured out, Lord, but we wanna to choose to trust you. Father, give us courage to change what must be altered, serenity to accept what cannot be helped, and the insight to know the one from the other. Jesus, over every heart, over every person in here, I just ask that you would reign. You would take control. You would show them that you're close. God, I ask in Jesus' mighty name for the person who is battling within, whether it be anxiety, whether it be a stress that they did not, they never saw coming, they never felt they'd have to deal with it, I ask in Jesus' mighty name that there would be a level of trust that would take place right now. That the transfer of control of one's life would go from their own grip to your hands and feet, that they would lay everything down for the person whose literal body has become so tense because of the stress they carry. I pray in Jesus' name for a release, for an absolute shift and transformation. God, I pray that those who feel powerless would recognize that we are, that we're the only person we can fully trust with everything in our life is you. So Lord, I just pray that you would raise faith in the room. I pray that you would raise trust in the room. I pray that you would raise hope in the room. God, I pray that marriages that feel hard and heavy for, for relationships that feel tough and entangled, I pray for hope and, and, and calmness, God, and comfort. I pray that right now they would know for the rest of their lives, every person in here, that you care for them, that you see them, that you love them, and that you are a part of the plan right now. God, that the storm that they may be battling through right now will not last forever, that they might be right there because you've called them to be there. I pray you would refine us, that you would shape us, that God, you would help structure us to know that we need to trust you with our every single day. So God, right now for that person who just knows they need to just trust you. If you're in this room and as eyes are closed, you know that you just need to trust God. That's a pretty sweeping term. I'm not asking with your, I mean with a situation with your heart just as a sign to him, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I know I need to trust you, God. I have not been. Lift your hands to heaven. It's just a sign. You're doing it with your heart to your hands. That's all it is, from heart to hands. Maybe it's about school you're headed towards. Maybe it's about a season life right now. Maybe it's about a relationship, like I said. Maybe it's just about it's all finances or a new career path. Come on, be bold here. Hands to heaven. Jesus, we trust you. We cannot control everything, but we do know who controls all things. 
And so God, we run to you, we come to you, we thank you for your love and grace that sweeps over us. I pray there would be care, there would be comfort, there would be a grace. God, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't know what's going on, you're working. Even when everything feels dark, there is light, God, that pierces through the darkness. So Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we run to you now, and we submit it all. I pray for a great release of tension and stress in Jesus' name right now. We see you working, Lord. We know you're working. We love you. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, let's sing one more time. Let's sing one more time.